This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing. I'm going to say it right off the hopper before we get going this morning. I think this may be one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest two weeks in the 2023 season of professional bass fishing. There's a lot there's a lot of stuff that went down. There's a lot of stuff that could go down. There's a lot of stuff going down. You have multiple tournaments. You have open seasons that ended. You have the U.S. Open going on on Mojave. You have all sorts of... Uh, you got some MLF rumors that are floating around the social media. Imagine that. Rumors on social media about bass fishing. Uh, and we got a great, great show today. Uh Kyle Austin is on, and he is one of the guys who is definitely in the trenches uh, when it comes to all-in on qualifying for the Bassmaster Elite Series. A uh, really unique uh, perspective that he's going to offer today. Uh, went into the final event, and I thank him for, for coming on and talking about it because I've been in that position before, and it sucks. It's been a couple years, but you go into that final event, and you're, you do everything within your power. And then he fell just short. I think he finished 12th, but uh, we're going to kind of recap what went down over the week on the Harris chain. I did not go. I, I fished eight out of the nine this year. Uh, I asked my saying as I didn't want to chase bad money and, and it would have cost me an extra five grand to go. You can say, Hey, you should have finished the year out. Or you could say, Hey, that was a smart financial decision. I guess that's a potato potato scenario there, but, uh, we'll talk to Kyle. Uh, he's a busy dude. Also, he is a, a full-time guide in the Carolinas and he does a lot of, uh, a lot of catfish guiding. So I might, I might have to talk a little bit about that. Cause I plan on getting out on a lake uh, near me. That's loaded with uh, blue cats this winter and drifting some, uh, some gizzard shad, uh, for blue cats. But like I said, the U S open kicks off today, I believe is the first day of all three days on Mojave one bass W O N B A S S.com for all of those. I think there's like 180 some, uh, boats in that field. Second year on Mojave talked to Josh Bertrand last week, kind of previewing that, but I believe, and there could have been more, but a really cool thing that I saw on social media, I believe that Byron Velvick and, uh, John Murray, both inducted into the One Bass uh, Hall of Fame kind of during the uh, introduction and meeting stuff the other night. So congratulations to those two. I think I saw Rick Clun there, a bunch of legends, a bunch of current uh, top 20 anglers in the world also fishing that field. I don't know if they've come out with the 24 schedule yet for the U.S. Open, but that is one tournament that I think everybody needs to uh, needs to experience Uh if they're a serious tournament angler, that one bass us open is something, uh, crazy. Also the bass nation championship kicks off this week on Lake Hartwell, another fall, uh, tournament and Lake Hartwell, uh, quickly cementing itself. I think as, as the premier top level tournament fishing destination in the country, uh, we'll bring in a, 
we'll bring in a Carolina guy now. We'll bring in uh, Kyle. What's up, dude? Thanks for jumping on BTO, Kyle. Yeah, man. Anytime. I appreciate you having me. Am I out of line in saying that Hartwell has become the premier top-level bass tournament destination in the country? Uh, no, I think you're right on it. They have a uh, the biggest thing is their their complex. You know where they run tournaments out of is by far one of the best you know tournament places I've ever been to. Um, you know, Lake Hartwell, Greenville, that area is a huge attraction for bass tournaments, and uh, it's it's showing out. They put a lot of money into Green Pond Landing, similar to what uh, ba- uh, Grand and Grove, Oklahoma, did prior to the 2013 Classic. Uh, that yep. Cliff Pace won just as far as a facility and easy to ramp. They kind of jacked the ramp up there to where if the foot Blake comes up a foot and a half, the thing's underwater, though. So that's why I give the edge to Green Pond. Uh, yep. Plus, I mean, they're all in on, it seems like Hartwell's all in on all different levels of competition from grassroots all the way up to classics. And then the history you have there with the Jason Christie and the Casey Ashley's, you've got like local sticks like jamie rampies and guys like that i mean it just it seems like a perfect dynamic and then you also have river fish you have spotted bass you have largemouth you have a lot of decisions to make it's a current driven fishery the only thing it lacks i guess is a lot of is a lot of vegetation right yeah it don't definitely doesn't have any grass but um i've been going up there since i was young and every year the fishing has gotten better and better it seems like the largemouth fishing you know they're getting twice as big the spotted bass i mean I think 90% of the tournaments now are getting one with spotted bass. So that that's good for the fishery. And, you know, I'm talking 20 pound bags. I mean, not your average 12 to 15 pound spotted bass, you know, there's 20, 25 pound bags of spotted bass in there. How long can that last? Do you think, can it sustain? I mean, you're on the water a lot and then we'll kind of transition it over to Santee Cooper because it seems to be like a fishery that's transitioning that you actually guide on all the time. Yep. But I mean, is that a forward facing sonar deal where we're just seeing these fish get plucked or is it just super healthy with a ton of bait and it's here to stay? Uh, I think it's definitely healthy. It's got a lot of fish in it. Um, you know, even for live scope and stuff like that, it was always a place we caught a lot of fish and you're mm-hmm. going to have a good time when you got there um four faces sonar definitely you know it's is probably help you know people catch them um you know they get out there and just roam chasing heron and forever we just kind of get lucky and run across them and now you, you just kind of pan around till you see them and i think that's part of it uh, i think the fishermen are getting better at catching them but i think the lake's just in really good shape and i don't know it should stay for a while they keep uh you know they keep good care of it well, thank you for jumping on BTL. I talked with you at uh, Lake of the Ozarks uh, yep. when you were trying to hang with it. And we just, you mentioned something. You're like, God dang, it's hard to freaking hang with these guys. It's unbelievable how the same guys keep catching them over and over. Now, at the time, uh, you were, you were, and you did the whole year, you were like fighting right there for one of those nine qualification spots. It ended up you had to be in the top 10 because, uh, uh, all Kenta Kimura does is smoke cigarettes and catch four pounders offshore. So he finished and it's, have you not driven past it? Did you drive past him at all this year? Cause I've seen to, every oh, time yeah. I drove past him, I always thought, what the hell is he doing out there? And he always was just looking down and had one burning. I know. Every time I pass him, be like a smoke show and he'd come back with 18 pounds. <laughs> I know. And he was always like on the edge of something that looked productive, but always like, in my opinion, kind of like out in the ethos. And my thing is, if I pass a Japanese guy, I don't fish around them because I'm not going to catch the fish they're catching. 
And they're always yeah. on the most obvious stuff, but I know I'm not going to catch the ones they're catching. I'm not even going to try. It, there was always like a group of guys and then in the opens, because there's groups of guys everywhere, because there's 200 boats at every event and then everything gets around. But then Kenta was always yeah. like a quarter mile on the outside, just doing like a big lap around everybody. Like it was almost yeah. like a strategy, like those fish like get freaked out and they kind of pull off of the obvious stuff and he just picks them out as they suspend out. And the other thing that's crazy that I've noticed about, I need to get him on the show. He'd be a good one to get on the show. Cause I've talked to him and he's got a hell of a personality. Uh, oh, yeah, he always funny. throws giant stuff too. Like he's always lobbing something. Have you noticed that yeah. too? Yeah. I think he's uh for a Japanese angler. I think he's one of the big, big bait power fishing ones. Um, every time I've seen him, he's throwing a glide bait or a massive swim bait or something. He fishes shallow a lot more than what people think too. Um, and I think a lot of those guys fish shallower than what a lot of people think. You know, I'll see them run in the bank all the time. But yeah. they're throwing stuff that I probably don't even have in my boat. So No. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, the news of the week, and this is where I got sidetracked, was they take the top, took the top 10. That's the biggest news of the week. Uh, yeah. Just to be in it with 178 guys that started uh, had to be a pretty special feeling. I know, you know, you talk to guys who go out on the final day of the classic, you talk to guys who go out at final day of championships and the you fish for those one or two moments a year. Maybe it, you go a couple years without it where you dump your boat in, it's dark and you know, this is everything. This is what it comes down to. I mean, do you remember having that feeling dumping it in, in, in Florida, because you have to do something right to earn the right to be in that position. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it goes back to, I mean, Lake of the Ozarks. I kept telling myself we got four more days because that's what you got. You don't have two more tournaments. You got four more days. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, every every day, you know, that I catch them, I, I kept telling my parents and my, my fiance, I'd be like three more days, two more days. And we got down to one more day. And we all that's all we had to do. And I uh, put my boat in and, you know, it was definitely special just to have the opportunity to try to qualify. And, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get it done. But, you know, to be an opportunity to do it against that many guys and, you know, the amount of points these guys racked up this year, it was it was crazy. Any other year, I think I'd be top three in AOI. Yeah. So going into the year, you can go back. I mean, I'm a big stats guy, Kyle. And yep. I was looking at uh, I, I took all the years that they'd done the overall. Now, granted, there were less anglers in it, anywhere from like 18 to 60 depending on what it is i think kyle froze on me He'll, oh you're back but we were anywhere from 55th yeah we're we're like around 55th place is what i thought it would take to finish in the top nine this year a 55th place average out of the 178 that are fishing all of them over nine events uh statistically over the past three years would put you right around between 10th and 12th place yeah, uh and then as the, as the season went on it, it was just massively skewed. The averages were not computing to what they had been in the past, which was shocking to me. But I kept thinking, oh, it's only three events in. It's only four events in. It's going to come back down. It's going to average out. I mean, this thing always has. Dude, it never, never freaking averaged out. To, to 57th place finish this year, 
25th place in the points if you had a 57th place average out of a roughly 190 boats that averaged in each event. So you're finishing yeah. in the top third every single time out. That only put you in 25th place in the points. JT Tompkins, who blew the thing away, uh, 1,659 points. He averaged a 16th place finish over all nine events. 200 boat field average is 16th place finish. And then Kyle Patrick, who slid in in 10th place. So the ninth qualifying because of Kenta yeah. 42nd place average. That is like going out and cashing a check in nine straight events in the top 40 in a 200 boat field over an eight month period from upstate New York to East Texas. That's insane, Kyle. I know. It is crazy. I never, never in a million years thought it would be like that going into it. And I mean, every tournament I'm like, yeah, it's going to slip up. Like it's, it, the average is going to, you know, get bigger or whatnot. And it just never did. I mean, I got to Lake of the Ozarks after that tournament. I think I'm, I was averaging like a 39th place finish and I was an eighth. And I'm, and to me, I was like, I'm barely in there. Like I have no wiggle room. You know, any other year you'd be kind of safe. You'd just show up to Florida and just kind of scoot by and, you go on with your life. It is. You had a, a an incredibly impressive year. You cashed uh you cashed five checks. And just to show how hard it was to qualify this year, 36th, 37th, 47th, 70th, 26th, 29th, 25th, 53rd, and 87th. Yeah. Uh I mean the consistency there, you're actually on a streak. I'm a big numbers guy and i kind of try to pride myself in top hundreds and i want i want double digit obviously you want single digit but i'm a realist Correct. i want yeah. double digit finishes in the opens Absolutely. those are non-bombs those are half top half of the field those are typically one or two bites away from either a top 10 or you're in the top 10 or you're cashing a check but to do yeah. that every single event this year is something that you have to be really proud of because that means you never miss the boat did you have a limit every single day the entire year yeah, until the final day. This, oh, this no. week, I, I caught four fish. Really? Yep. I didn't and realize I, that. Would a fifth one have helped that much? Or I needed, I think, three pounds. I needed to finish like 61st, and I finished 87th. So it, uh, and I actually, no, nobody really knows. I talked about it on stage, but in the last 10 minutes, I finally just picked up a wacky worm. It's like, all right, I'm going to go skip docks, try to catch me two keepers, and let's get eight pounds and let's try. Like, let's just give it a shot. Yeah. And um, I caught my fourth keeper. It had like right at seven pounds. And then I actually jumped off like a five pounder like 10 minutes ago up under a dock on a wacky worm. And that would have done it. This is why fishing drives me absolutely crazy. I know. And I've had moments like that all year where it's like the last 20 minutes I pull up to a boulder and catch a six pounder or, you know, just like anything. Like, I just. I just ran. I ain't get doc That looks. I need more fish, and you catch a four pounder under it. Like stuff like that's happened all year to me, which in the past I've never happened to me. So it, uh, you know, and I had that bite the final day to to seal the deal, and you know, unfortunately, it come off. But that's fish. Did you do anything you know, wrong, or was it just it. not meant to meant to be in the boat? You can talk about it because yeah. I'm asking about it. Yeah. That's what I say to everybody yeah. on here what's, because the hardcore fishermen is, don't want to talk. <laughs> What's crazy, I'm from Santee Cooper. I ain't lost one on a wacky worm in four years. Like, I mean, that's my bread and butter. I mean, that's what I grew up doing. And, uh, you know, I picked up on the dock, and he was kind of already around a piling. 
Mm-hmm. And so I kind of gave it that halfway hook set to try to get him to come back out. And he come right back out. And uh, he just tail walked. It's like a you know four or five pounder. And the, my wacky worm goes flying out of his mouth. And I'm like, no. Like, that was it. And, you know, I had time to fish like one more dock and I just never had a bite. And, I mean, I was just looking for a keeper. I wasn't even looking for a five yeah. pounder. I'm just like, give me eight pounds and give me a shot. Because I was doing the math in my head all day. You know, I went from like, oh, I want to catch 12 pounds. Like, just give me 10 pounds, you know. And then I was like, just give me eight pounds at this point. Because eight pounds would have been 10 pounds a day. And I mean, I would have been kind of pretty solid. So is that a bite you wish you never had? Or are you glad you had it to know that, like, let's just hypothesize here. Like, do you wish that you'd never even do that fish was under that dock? Uh, (laughs) I honestly wish I'd never would have caught the four pounder out of a brush pile at like two o'clock. Because that one led me down the wrong path for another hour. Because I actually had two fish. I left Lake Apopka with two fish, and they were like a 12-ouncer and an 8-ouncer. Like, they were little. And um, so I come back to like Lake Eustis. I was going to run brush piles and kind of just try to get a spark. And the first brush pile pulled up to, I caught a four-pounder. And I'm like, okay. So I had like 20 brush piles in a row It's going to hit. And I ran every one of them, never had another bite. And I kind of just wasted time. And, um, and I probably should have just kind of ran some canals and just try to catch a limit but we caught that four pounder and we, we gave it a shot then we had that five pounder and then a day we should have caught and that would have been it but it's fishing you know you're gonna have days like that it's are all you, meant to be okay so are you a this is a process and when it's gonna happen it's gonna happen type of guy or are you a are you a let me see let me ask this succinctly are you a glass half full or a glass half half empty type of angler uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer that when it's your time, it's going to happen. Um, I put the work in to, to do it. Um, there's some guys that probably work harder than I do, but you know, the, there's some guys, I mean, I got to come home and go to work. You know, I come home and, and guide full time so I can make enough money to, to live where I can go back out there and fish. And, you know, some guys don't have to do that and I'm not taking that away from them. You know, I think they, they put in a lot of work and, you know, they had that opportunity, they put the work in, you know, so be it. That's good for them. But for me, you know, I come home and go to work and have to chase a different kind of fish every once in a while. So, but I do put in the work to, to make it. And I I really feel like I'm ready, you know, to be on that level. It's just, you know, how hard it is to make it in the opens. I mean, I think I travel with Sam George. I think he's just as good as any elite series guy out there. He's insane. His stats are gotta be the best stats for a guy that's never qualified for the elite series. And, um, so I kind of look at him, I mean, it is a good angler and never make it. So like there's, there's guys out there, you know, local tournaments that are great anglers that will never make it in elite series. Just you get to the opens. It's completely different. It's this, this is what I have a tough time grappling with is you do take a guy like Sam and yep. I mean, in all honesty, you do look at his stats, you look at how he was groomed, the work that he puts in, how he does his homework, how he does it the right way. I mean, he is an elite series level angler that has he's for lack of a better term he's had bad luck like he's literally had bad luck over the last like four years every single year yeah it Uh, seems like every time they do a rule change is when he messes it yeah that's what i'm saying it's bad luck and then didn't he have like an accident last year it wasn't able to fish but he had missed it like by a point the year before and then would have been in the year before that but then they changed their it's been absolutely insane for him but then you and not to take any, but then you have someone who comes in who's never fished before and they just go, tick, 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 and they're on. And you're like, you're like, wait, how is this? 
like in any other professional sport, you never have like a guy that comes in and like wins a tennis tournament. And he's like, dude, yeah, I just started playing tennis like four years ago. Like it yeah. just never happens. But in fishing, it's it just seems incredibly volatile, which I guess is where the mental aspect comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's definitely crazy. You see, I mean, Trey McKinney's 18 years old, just went through it like it was nothing. I mean, and I've, you know, I've been at it for a few years and, I know you've been at it for a long time, Sam, 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't even know, but it's crazy that some guys make it look super easy. And then we're over here just trying to get by, you know, you think, you think it's a talent deal? Do you think it's a mentality deal? Do you think it's a, a, uh, well, what is it? What I can't, how can I not think of this word? Uh, where the, when you've got, when you're on like a roll, what do they call that? Um, Momentum. Momentum, yeah. You think it's a momentum deal? Like, what do you think it is? I definitely think it's momentum, but I think some of them young guys – I'm 25, so I'm young too, but that yeah. means we're talking like 20, 21. I think a lot of them just have no stress, like zero stress whatsoever. I mean, what – like some of them, I don't I don't even know how to explain that. Like, dude, they show up to tournaments, and they're just like all laid back. <laughs> and I'm like, I just want $3,000 and get out of here. Yeah, but, it is interesting. You mentioned know, the, they, Go ahead. I said they definitely uh, seem like when they get on the momentum, they never let off the gas this year. So, uh, Average age of the top five, uh, 22.6 years old. 22.6. Average age of the top nine, uh, 25 years old. So you're literally the average age of the guys at the top nine. The two oldest by far, uh, John Garrett, who I still think of as a kid, but a veteran kid. He, I put him in the Sam George category. I mean, he's like three yeah. years overdue to make the Elite Series. Bethel Superstar yeah. fished in classics. He's 28. And then Milliken. Milliken's like a – he's just a couple years away from a walker. He, they're going to have to put <laughs> a walker. You know, they're going to have to put some steps to get him up on the front deck at the ripe old age of 34, 35. Uh, uh, I, I will say Milliken uh, – did qualify. We will be wrapping up our series with Ben Milliken Wednesday night and evening show BTL 8.30 p.m. Ben Milliken live talking about qualifying for the Elite Series. It has been a roller coaster uh, interviewing him after each open uh, and kind of his ups and downs and stuff following his journey. So it'll be interesting to put a bow on that. But yeah, a 25-year-old average for the top nine. And what you have to remember is, dude, I remember that first tournament at, at Ufala in Alabama. Did you remember looking around and seeing how many established tour veterans were floating around going, damn, this is going to be rough this year trying to get through all these guys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I felt like the first tournament, I, if you would have projected who would be in the top 10, I would have said some of those touring guys. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm sure some of them young guys, but. I mean, some of these guys I've never even really heard of. Like, I didn't know who Trey McKinney was until, like, after about the third event, and he's, like, almost leading AOI. I'm like, man, this kid's pretty good. But it's definitely uh, – it definitely was a lot different than I anticipated. I thought, you know, some of the touring guys and guys that have been around it, I thought they were going to kind of – because you've seen it in the past. You've seen Jason Christie come back and qualify. Greg like Hackman. Mike Iaconelli. Right. Scott like, Martin. Thought, yeah, they come back like it was – you know, like a breeze. And I thought it was going to be, you know, we're going to have maybe four or five of those guys do it again, but we just didn't see that. And yeah. I don't know if it's the schedule lined up, like, you know, strengths for guys or 
I think I think live scope plays a big big part of it. I really do. I hate to say it because I do live scope a bunch, but I mean, it's pretty proven. <laughs> if you had to do it, I mean, how what percentage would you say you scoped this year? Like of of all of your tournaments. Probably I mean, did you have scope specific only tournaments where you just went out and looked for random fish? Uh, yeah, I'm more of a structure guy. Like I, I okay. use it more to uh, look for structure. I've, like I've kind of like, you know, I made a top ten at Smith Lake. I was fishing isolated brush and stumps and stuff, and and then it was kind of like still sneaky. Like nobody really did it. You know, I was going down clay banks like with nothing and scoping around. But now, like, you could tell by the fifth day of practice, everybody's doing it. And that's the part that's changed. But I probably scoped this year for like seventy five percent of the time. Wow! But you have you have to. I mean, if not, you're gonna get beat by the guys that are doing it hundred time, a hundred percent of the time. I don't know uh, Robert G. Do you know him? I do not. I do not. I don't or know how much he Wesley is Gore. I met Wesley this past weekend. But I is. I mean, is he? Does he strike you as the scoper type, Kyle? No, like I, Robert G and him probably the only two. They that seem old school kinda, to me. They seem like they had to go swim a jig down a bank. Like, yeah, you know. But I think, and John Garrett's really not a scoper. But I think, like, you know, obviously uh, JT. I mean, that he's pretty darn good with it. I mean, I've been around him in the campgrounds and stuff. He's he's going to go down probably to be one of the best to ever do it. I think. He's really? that he is that good of a fisherman. He's very smart. Like fish smart blows my mind. Looking at electronics, he sees stuff that I don't see. But you know, I think it all comes down to mentality. You know, if you keep his head straight and all those guys, I mean, it all comes to what's between your I mean, tournament fishing. There's mm-hmm. good fishermen that are terrible tournament guys. I'll I'll say this about JT, and I don't know him like as a friend. I've I'm always been friendly with him on the water. I've talked yeah. with him. His you talk about singular, obsessive dedication towards something. I think I heard somewhere he's over 300 days on the water this year. He looks yeah. at every single aspect of the opens and maximizes its potential, whether it's time on the water, whether it's spending time on a fishery before the 30 days off limits, uh, whether it's electronics. And I'm going to throw info in there as well. So the opens is the wild west. Yeah. In my opinion. I get guys who message me and say, Hey, I'm a longtime listener of BTL. I live on this lake. Are you interested? And I say, Hell yeah. And I'll call up some guys and I'll talk to them. I got buddies who live on other lakes. I got waypoints this year. I got general areas for some guys this year. I got nothing on sub events this year. Yeah. I got, hey, this is a great creek. I got, hey, here's 25 freaking weight. I mean, I get information. It's wide yeah. open in the Bassmaster Opens. But do I maximize that? Do I take advantage? Absolutely not. And yeah. when you're that obsessed and when you're that and you want to maximize it, like I think you have a 50-50 split versus I want to show up to a lake and figure it out on my own and do the pattern versus doing all that and then maximizing whatever information you can from the top locals. And I struggle with that internally is, well, I just didn't want it enough. Like I, I didn't go out and do all the homework that I could have done. And 
even though it's not illegal, is there a right way to do it? I don't know what the right answer is into that. I mean, what are you, you don't have to dive into this topic if you think, but I mean, it's, it's a hot topic that's going on with open anglers right now heading into the 24 season. Yeah, it, it definitely frustrates me uh, a little bit just because I feel like I, to me, I think the right way is to learn it on your own. Like I just, that's just kind of how I've been. Cause that's how I've, how I learned how to fish Santee. Like I've, Never really been out with a local on Santee in my life. I just kind of learned it on my own when it, you know, I had a John boat with my buddy riding around banging stumps and mm-hmm. figuring it out. And um, I think it's different if you call your buddy or, you know, you have a friend that lives somewhere and, you know, there's no rule on it. So why not? Yeah. You know, and it's different. Like if I go to, I don't know, let's just say I have a friend that lives in Florida and I just call him up. Hey man, what's, you know, what's the fishing like in October I think that's different, you know, send you general ideas. The whole thing to me is hiring guides. I don't like people that buy stuff or hire. I mean, I think it's, I don't think that's right. Because you can't do it at the next level. I think it should be a feeder yeah, system. I was really surprised that there was not a rule already in place. I just assumed that there was a rule in place that you could not purchase or barter information for the opens. That exists in an FLW rule or FLW. Right. That shows how old I am. Uh, MLF rule. Yeah. Uh, but when you go back through the Bassmaster Open Handbook, it does not. I know. There's nothing in there, and I get it. Like it's 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 not in the rules. I mean, why not maximize what it is? But I don't know if it. You know, it might not hurt nobody in the long run. I don't. You know, I'm not going to say who does it or not because I really. You know, I'm not 100% sure on that. But it's just frustrating to kind of. You know, you probably get beat by those guys a lot, and. Uh, you know, that's just my take on it. So are you cool with no information, all information, or just put a no purchasing or bartering of information or being on tournament waters with a guide? Because, dude, like for those of you who are listening, this is a hot topic right now Uh, amongst a lot of the open anglers. And with bass, there's been questionnaires that have gone out. It's, it's It's very hotly discussed, at least in the circles that I, that I am in. I don't know what you're, I mean, you're one of the younger guys. I mean, you're the, you're the next generation, a different generation than I am. Am I the get off my lawn guy now or? <laughs> no, I think uh, if I had to change a couple things, I mean, I would change no information once the schedule comes out, just like the elite series or, I mean, or even 30 days, no information. Like when it's off limits, it should be no information too. Um, but I think that should change. And then I think we should limit the practice. I, I don't like five days of practice. I want like two and a half days <laughs> just because I think, I think that's what makes like elite series weight so good is because those guys practice different than we do because they, they're just trying to find an idea or, you know, a pattern and kind of mm-hmm. roll with it. You know, the fish aren't getting beat up in the opens. I mean, I'll find what I think is really good on day one or two of practice, look for it on day three, like a lot. And then by day four or five, you start noticing guys that were, you know, doing other things, looking at the same stuff you found three days ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, I don't know. I, that's just me. I think we should have two or three days of practice and no information. And let's make it as close to the Elite Series without being the Elite Series. Robert says this. He goes, last year, Hallman was on Rayburn with Todd for the last tournament. He's a guide on that lake. Thoughts? I'm going to I'm going to preface this with and this is old this this makes me the get off your lawn type of guy but you know i've been in this doing this since i was 23 and i had I had someone on the show i, I had a uh, scott from the bass tank on and he was talking about uh we kind of 
beat around the bush on this topic whatsoever. And yeah. someone commented in the comments, it was like, oh, you like the pot calling the kettle black. You have the BTL network and you've been doing this so long. And I call it, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I don't give a damn. I'm saying it. I think in this sport, the old school mentality is you earn relationships you earn the right you put in the time you live in the trenches to be able to call up a buddy who you've earned that respect and you guys can share information and work together yeah. it's an old school mentality of hey you've paid your dues you're working towards it you can call up that way i could call up a guy and say hey what's going on on here and he could say man they're biting in spring creek uh and that gold blade's been really good. All right, thanks, dude. How's the family doing? Whatever. Like you earn yeah. those relationships through time on the water, through respect, through fifteen to twenty years in the industry. And that's what and, I was saying. That's different, you know. Like I think that's. I think if we're gonna have information, I think that's cool. But the whole like going out to strangers that you don't know and buying it and stuff like that is. I yeah, think that's but it's really, not illegal. Right. So how like do you? So the then, rules. how are you? You're applying your own personal value set on someone that's that's passing lie detector tests, isn't trying to hide anything, and yeah. isn't doing anything illegal. So if you look at it like black and white, you're getting your ass kicked by someone who has a better system. Yeah, yeah. But that's where I go back to the old school mentality, then, which is what I just described, which is what you're talking about. Yeah, I get it. I mean. I, I just go whatever whatever's in place i mean we're just gonna roll with it like i i don't yeah. get into controversy stuff too much you know i, I mean, i'm not trying to me. make controversy I just want oh to i know shit about I know. it oh yeah but i uh, i don't know ideally I next year i've always when i started i mean everybody was like it's all about relationships you know like when i started fishing bfls i mean older guys were told me is i mean it's about connections and relationships and that's how you'll make it in a sport and now i get it you know with that part and you know if that's if the rules don't ever change so we're just gonna keep rolling like it is i mean it don't bother me one way or another i'm gonna i'm gonna do my homework you know the way i do it and you know i feel like i can compete, compete any way it is yeah i'll do the same way and here's the other thing that you have to that you have to keep in mind there's a bunch of guys between uh 11 and 175 who got as much info as they could did oh, whatever yeah. it took legally to put themselves yeah. in position and they sucked. Yeah. It, I Absolutely. mean, dude, I, I mean, I've, I've done the info route before and gone out and after the tournament been like the worst thing that could ever have happened to me was to go into this thing with information. I know that's, I mean, that's part of me. Like I have probably have every opportunity There's a lot of elite guys and stuff like that. Like, dude, I could call, a lot of people i just feel like i'm too lazy and i don't <laughs> like i forget about it. like me i think me and sam showed up to watts bar i mean patrick walters lives down the road from me he won there and then alton jones is good friends with, with sam and they were like oh we'll call him up we'll see what you know what we need to do <laughs> and then we get like first day of practice i'm like hey do you ever call out he's like no i forgot he's like do you ever call patrick i'm like heck no i forgot so we're like well there was our one opportunity. We don't mess it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting stuff. Hey, we got to take a break. Uh, when we come okay. back, we'll, we'll take a, uh, a deeper dive into that. And then I'm going to get into making, I mean, you're 25 years old. I believe you're wise beyond your ears. You figured out how to make a living hundred percent on the water, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't uh, have a job. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do have a well, job. You do have a job, but, but it's one of those deals where if you, 
if you love your job, you don't feel like you work a day in your life. One of those scenarios. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. It is, uh, it's BTL on a Monday, October 16th, 2023. We'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up with the angler design function and performance in mind. Nothing on this new offering was compromised. And the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years' experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. The great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm and the Ramtail Craw. Great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country, and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors including Pearl Shad which has this bleached out white look but it's got this pearlescent really really pretty. We've got Copper Shad which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back really really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the Matte Sexy Shad, just a really different looking color for a crankbait. So you wanna give them a little different look, that Matte Sexy Shad is definitely 
the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. All right, welcome back, BTL, on a Monday. Uh, like I said, exciting week of BTL uh, lined up uh, Wednesday night, uh, Ben Milliken, 8.30, and then we're actually flipping days, folks. Uh, day four on day three, Frank Scalish will be on at 8.30 a.m. Wednesday morning because Thursday, uh, a very... Very cool announcement, a way for uh, Bassmaster Open anglers to earn a lot more money. Uh, some brand new, I don't know how much I can say, some brand new things coming down the pipeline. Opportunities for like big money, similar to basically the way that I got into the AAA level, but some opportunities for that, as well as uh, some new kind of incentive programs exclusively. Uh, they'll be kind of unveiled and introduced on BTL on Thursday, but that press release and all that stuff goes out on Thursday. So I had to switch Wednesday to a Thursday, but if you listen, I'll say if you have dreams of fishing the opens and the ability to get off for nine weeks, but not the funds may not want to miss this show might be a good, uh, opportunity, uh, to do things, but, uh, all right. Uh, Kyle, you have figured out the secret sauce to, to basically spend, Every day on the water, you get paid. You're full time. You're a U.S. Coast Guard licensed guide in yep. South Carolina. Yep. Um, yeah. So I used to when I I got out of college, I went to uh, got my associate's degree at a tech school up here in business and marketing. Uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Obviously, fishing was a big part of it. You know, that's what I wanted to do. So I started fishing BFLs and Toyotas and Opens and kind of just get my feet wet and. You know, I won a division. I mean, I, I won the Angler of the Year in the BFLs. I won a BFL. Um, so I've had some success in that. And then, you know, I've had a few little jobs. And I, I worked for Patrick Walter's dad for th two or three years. Um, I worked part-time for him, and he allowed me – obviously, he knew the tournament situation. So he allowed <laughs> me to go wherever. Um, if I needed to run to, you know, go get my oil changed in my boat, like it was no problem. Or, like, we did it at work. Like, it was mm – -hmm. So he kind of helped me, you know, get started with uh with the tournament fishing. And I always I, I got my captain's license. I've always, you know, was inspired to guide out on Santee Cooper. Santee's a place special to me. You know, I've had a lot of success there. Um, but I knew going into it, bass guiding wasn't gonna be able to do it full time. So, you know, I've always chased catfish when I was a kid. Like I grew up, you know, we'd always stink bait fish or whatnot. So I I spent a lot of time learning, you know, how to target catfish seven days a week, 365 days a year. And, um, you know, I, I ended up leaving that job and start my guide business and, and I ain't turned around yet. Like I, I love it every day out there. Wait, so you picked a species based on your ability to do it 365 days a year, always put clients on fish and you were like, I want to be a guide. I want to be on the water. And then that's what you based your species on. Uh, that, and then Santee Cooper, a lot of people don't know, every, you know, obviously we know it because of bass fishing. Everybody think, you know, it's a top, it's a top premier bass lake in the country, but it is also in the top five in catfish lakes in the country. It is one of the first places, um, Arkansas blue catfish got released into. We actually like back in the day, there's a whole story on it. We, Santee Cooper's first place, saltwater stripers were landlocked into a uh, reservoir. And we actually traded Arkansas for blue catfish. 
stripers for blue catfish. Wait, so and that's how all the stripers got in like Washita and all those places correct. in Arkansas that's, was from Santee. Yeah. Santee's the first place. So, true saltwater stripers, not farm raised stripers, were were landlocked in. And they got in through stocking or had oh they got in straight from the so you can get oh. this is how bad I am. You can get from Santee straight to the ocean. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we actually have a fish lock. It's kind of crazy. You can look it up. It's uh at the Wilson Dam, we have a fish, we have a, like a fish lift, like it's like a lock for fish. <laughs> what? And there's actually stats on like what swims through it and stuff. You can look it up. It's, so it's they swim up to it. There, it senses that there's like fish in it and it like raises and puts them up on the other side. Yeah, just like a lock, like we would lock in a boat. I swear. <laughs> it's crazy. There are people like we used to go, I never went, but like schools used to go field trips to it. Like it's a cool thing. Like, so what swims through? Like, what type of stuff are we talking about? I'm sure stripers, catfish, gar. I know like a lot of gar and stuff go through it. Um, you know, when we have the striper run, you know, they run up the river, shad go through it. I don't know how much bass go through it. I mean, I, if I was a bass, I wouldn't want to leave the lake to go to the Santee River. So, yeah, but uh, there's no like flounder or anything in Santee Cooper, or, like mullet or I, anything, are there? I, I doubt it. There's rumors we've seen had that. shark and stuff, but I doubt it. We do have mullet every once in a while against Santee. Really? Yeah, so it's kind it. of like a Okeechobee deal where you might get a stray weird species just because of because yeah. of its relationship. Like yeah, like I'm sure there's a flounder that's been in Santee before <laughs> because I've caught a flounder at the dam of of the Cooper River, which the Cooper River has a traditional boat lock. Um, yeah, but I'm you can't tell me if I caught it at the dam right there. Not one of them has swam through that lock and end up on the other side. It's hard to say. But we have, yeah, but we were like one of the, I think we were the first lake in the country to be landlocked with uh, like saltwater stripers. So you didn't and have it, like a catfish guru that was like, hey, I'm going to pass along all my, all these blue cat secrets to you. And then you can take over the guide business. You kind of did this on your own. Yeah, I did it. I did a hundred percent on my own. Um, you know, I grew up catching catfish, but I never was like, I'm a big catfish guy. So I just, uh. You know, I, I bought a big tri-tune. I got a 30-foot pontoon. Um, it's actually got three tunes on it. But I got that and, you know, built me a, a pretty much a guide boat. And yeah, I spent like four months out there by myself just like trying to figure it out, like how to catch them every day. Because, I mean, I can go out there and catch you a catfish or two. But, yeah. like, to catch, you know, 10 to 20 catfish a day, it's, it gets challenging just like bass fishing. And I've met a few guides along the way. I actually have a good a friend of mine, Al Duncan. He's a he's a he's been guiding out on Santee for like thirty years, forty years, something like that. So he's helped me a lot, kind of get my clients and and dude. When I, I'm like struggling out there some days, and like you know, I see some conditions I've never been faced with, and he lead me in the right direction. And he's usually pretty accurate. So he's he's helped me out a bunch. I've learned a lot through him. You but got a website? Cat, uh, I don't have a website, but I have a Facebook page. Uh, I was going to pull up your website. You got to get a website. I want to see some of these pictures of these giant blues. I know my, my, my God page on Facebook is where all my pictures of the blues. Where is that? If people want to get out, like what's it, if you don't mind, what's it run to go? I mean, assuming that's gotta be a hell of a time. Cause you're sitting in the tri tune and you're yeah. just catching oh, yeah. giant blues. You let, let them crack and a, a full, cold ones. And, oh yeah. I have a full enclosure too. So for the wintertime, we run a heater and we, I mean, we're out there all year round. It don't matter if it's blazing hot or freezing cold. What's a full day run? It's uh 400 for the first two people and then 50 each additional up to six total. Oh, that's so, a freaking steal, man. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, 
it's kind of what everybody like we all like as guys we have an agreement like what the lowest we could be and i think the lowest we all start at 400 so i just kind of stick with that crowd my bass trips there's only like three bass guides i charge a little bit more for bass trips than the average guy does but like my motto is we're gonna go have a good time in my boat <laughs> and it's you have to you do like the throw net and all that stuff like cast net where you go catch the bait and all that stuff yeah or? i go yeah, most of the time I catch bait unless they're biting on heron really good, then I'll go buy heron because it's kind of it's hard to catch in a sandy. We do have heron; it is technically a heron lake, but it's uh, really? you know, fun fact. But we don't have like you know the amount of heron. It's more like uh, you know, like they say, Kerr Lake was a heron lake, but yeah, you never yeah, really yeah. see heron yeah. kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, where I think I might <laughs> I have seen like one up there with, of them. I showed up there with some bills, 37 yeah. pencil poppers. I mean, I was ready to roll, and we get there, and I'm like, this is not a heron like. <laughs> dude, I talked to some dude. I won't even say his name. I talked to someone at that. I'll, I'll say who it is. I talked to uh, Chad Pipkins. Yeah. He was throwing freaking topwaters without hooks to herring eaters, like having 30 or 40 flush it a day during practice. Like big giant. He's like, oh, yeah, the herring were like skipping, and they were just like kaboom, and they were all – and I'm like – Wait, you're kidding, right? And he's like, no, I thought I was going to have like 18 a day on herring fish. I was like, at Kerr, like we're on Bugs Island, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's how it gets one. I got some friends, you know, from here that, that fished there a bunch. And that's usually how it gets one. It's chasing herring fish. But then I look like. Yeah, I, I never like saw one. Pretty, I never did either. I said, the heck with this. We'll go fish up. We'll go flip bushes. So so you show up, you get in the boat, and you, dr you drift. Are you a drifter or you put the, it's like yeah, Carolina so, rig them, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, if you ever heard of the same, like catfishing, you some people have heard of the Santee Cooper rig. I mean, that's where, you know, drift fishing is kind of originated from Santee, um, catching the blue catfish. So we do a lot of drift fishing, but in the summertime, we do a lot of anchor fishing. And then in the wintertime, we do a lot of stump jumping where I tie up to stumps out in the dead forest. So I kind of mix it up, but I, I do like drift fishing. Drift fishing is 90% of the time when you're fishing with me. What's the biggest one you think you've ever tangled with? Because they get over uh, 100 pounds, don't they? Yeah, so I've caught, in a guide trip, I think the biggest one, I've actually put in a boat, it's like 62, but I lost one last summer that was anywhere between 80 and 100 at night. We lost it. I don't know what happened, but we got it right around a stump and it come up, and I mean, it's the biggest catfish I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it surged one more time. I actually had like an older lady trying to reel it in, and she didn't really know, you know, what she was dealing yeah. with, and you know, I'm trying to like tighten the drag for, loosen the drag for, and it just, you know, we got on bad rotation and the fish got the best of us. But the yeah. average big one's like 30 plus pounds. Yeah. I don't know who the heck this is, but this is, I mean, that's kind of what they look like, right? Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a big one there. That's, that's what we have. I mean, it's top three catfish, top three or five catfish lakes in the country. I mean, you keep them or you keep the oh, smaller yeah. ones or? Yeah, we keep like we call it eaters. Um, like ten to twenty pounders are good eating size fish. And we'll uh we'll keep those. And then most of the time they get over like twenty five, thirty pounds. We we usually recommend throwing it back. And you clean them for them? I don't clean them. No, that's the best no. part of my job. <laughs> <laughs> you just give it to them, huh? So have much. fun with that one. I know. Well, we have too many. Like we have, there's guys at the fish camps around here that will clean mm -hmm. them for like two or three dollars a fish. There's a lady, you know, up the road that will do it. So, I have too many other options where I could just send them to them and let yeah. them make a little money, and then I ain't got to deal with it because 
we all know catfish stinks, and I don't want to deal with that every day. Is uh is like October, November, December? Are those good months? This is like prime time. Today is actually a good day for me to do this because I'm guiding tomorrow through Monday, and then I have like one day off, and then I guide for like five more days straight. Yeah, if I mean, if you're within, if you're going to be in that area around Santee, that sounds like a hell of a time, like father son uh, or bachelor party. Oh yeah, or, I get bachelor parties are pretty common. Dude. I get, I mean, I get. You ever done a bachelorette party? Because that would be wild if a bachelorette party decided to do. Well, I, didn't know, I didn't do a bachelorette, but I have had a big group of women this year. And, uh, you know, they might have been, you know, in a relationship with each other. I don't know. But <laughs> it was a uh, it was awesome. It was a, oh, it was a fun time. It's probably the funnest night I've had because I do a lot of night trips in the summertime. And those are usually the party nights. Usually people yeah. don't uh, they drink a little a lot on on night trips. I think the cool part is like that you. You made you figured all this out yourself, like you made this job kind of for yourself and thought it out like that takes a lot of kind of foresight especially with the fact that you're only 25 right now i mean this yeah. is something that you can do indefinitely oh, yeah. it's i mean like i tell myself all the time like i probably should just stay home and guide full time like i do like tournament fishing is why i want to fish i mean like being at the bassmaster classic or being on the elite series like that's what i want to do that's mm -hmm. what i want to establish my name to be but I mean, ever since I started guiding, man, I've kind of fell in love with that side of things too. It's, it's just like tournament fishing. Like I think that's what's made me better as a tournament guy. It's eight, it's eight hours every day. It's a, it's a race. Like I'm trying to beat the clock just like I am in a tournament. And uh, you know, I have to get the job done every day just like I do in tournaments. So it's made me a better angler. Whether I'm chasing catfish, crappy bass, it don't matter. Like I have to chase it. Like a catfish changes every day. He ain't in the same spot. I promise. Really. Oh yeah, they move. They chase bait. That's all I do. I I run around. I have a uh, through hole transducer just like I do in my my bass boat, and I run around till I start marking bait, and then I'll start idling in those areas trying to actually find fish. So they're way more predatory than most people give them credit for. Absolutely, everybody thinks you know we just throw stink bait and just anchor fish, <laughs> but <laughs> that is not true. I mean, it, it works. Like we do that too, but you know. I'm trying to chase like schools of fish. Like mm -hmm. I'm trying to, I want the rods to be going down every three minutes, which I mean, not all the time is like that, but that's my goal. I mean, so I'm always looking for like the massive groups of fish. It's like trying to find Tennessee river schools, you know? I mean, you just, you want to find, like if you're going out there fun fishing, bass fishing, you'd rather go probably 90% like, bass guys rather go catch a hundred that weigh two pounds compared to one that weighs 10. But that's, that's me. I mean, a lot of bass mm -hmm. guys are like that. So I want to set the hook, and I want, like, my clients, I just want them to be busy. I want them to reel in fish. You, you pretty much booked up then? I mean, it's a vibe. Uh, you got enough people in that area that are all about it. Yeah, so, like, my first couple of years, um, the winter time would always slow down for me, and that is the best time to fish. I mean, mm -hmm. the winter time, I mean, that's the best time to catch catfish. And this year, it seems like I'm going to be a little bit busier because I've kind of gained, like, my clientele. I got return customers now. Um, you know, I got people that come with me four times a month. Um, so I kind of got my own clients now, and we're definitely going to be a lot busier this year with it. So we're right now we're kind of booked up because I'm actually getting married in November. and then I'm Oh, going congratulations. On I appreciate it. And I'm going on a honeymoon. So I got this month, and then pretty much I won't start guiding again until December. And then the open start in February. Back to back, basically. Yeah. You're, are you we, in the opens? As long as it takes, you're going to do it. You're dialed in. If it's 
five years, you're in it for five. If it's next year, you're in it for next year. I think so. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say, like after you get done, like what just happened to me two days ago, you know, after you felt like you've done everything you could for nine tournaments and it come up short and it's hard to, it's hard to hit that reset button. Like, man, we got to do it again. Like we have to get back up there and have the same kind of tournaments again, but it, I think I'm going to do it, you know, like I want to make it that bad. So, and I feel, I I don't know. It it feels like it's the same guys every year. That's really close. And then like the next year they make it. And then like that group that was right behind them, it seems like they kind of trickle in, you know, Mm -hmm. and you got some Milliken who came out of nowhere. Oh, I'll try it. (laughs) (laughs) Qualified. I know. In in 21, when I was in six, I was, I was pretty devastated after the last event of the year. Like I was after that grand event, like it was hard for me to bounce back. Uh, And, you know, I had a a bunch of guys just because of having covered this for so long. I had a bunch of guys who were top level guys in the sport that are like, dude, you're doing it right. Just keep your head up. There's a reason why this happened. And I was like, no, there's not a freaking reason. I don't know if I'm ever going to get this close again. I did everything I freaking could didn't do it. Like I was down. Uh, and it's weird how how stuff does work out because then that that like right after that is when Jeffries walked in and he's like, "Hey man, I'm retiring. Like the show's mm-hmm. yours." And before that, I was you know co-hosting BTL. And then yeah. I ended up like buying a house, and then it is when I understood the importance of multiple revenue streams. To, oh yeah, you know the turn. That's where just one aspect. So it actually like I'm. Gl- I would have loved to have qualified then, but like I would never have been like, oh yeah, I'll take it over. I'll dive in. I'll put the studio in my house. Like I'm so glad that things worked out the way they did right now. And I didn't even realize it at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's where I'm at. Like we all know that like fishing for a living, like tournament fishing is, is very hard. Like there is not a lot of money. What people think there is, you know, there's only, I don't know how many guys total, but there's only a handful of them in my, like that I can think of right now that truly make a living catching a bass. You know, a lot of them have different revenues that people might not know about. And um, I mean, you see top name guys, you know, starting their own like business somewhere. It's like, that's a reason for it, you know? And I grew up, you know, I grew up with Patrick and, you know, I know Atkins and Polinick. I know a lot of those guys and like, they've, they've told me the truth with it, you know, like, nobody's beating around the bush when you know you're calling them on the phone so i like uh my you know my side revenue um as far as guiding like i get to fish every day i technically get to fish for a living just like a elite series guy does you know i might fish the opens but i still get to do it full time and uh i think that's where i'm at with it and you know we're trying to build a house and all that so Make God, you got a lot going on for a 25 year old. I was just like graduating college and I was like, hell yeah, I get to do a podcast and follow the elite series around. You got like big boy stuff going on. I know it's getting real. We're getting married. Yeah. I mean, it's like 20 something days away and she is pestering me with, uh, I got a whole to-do list right here on my calendar that I'm working That's on. Was, what, what do you like? What is that? Like what all do you have on your to-do list? Cause I mean, dude, I'm 39 right now and I have never, I've not crossed that uh, bridge yet. It's just little things at this point. And yeah. we got to get, we, we don't have wedding bands. We got to do marriage counseling on Wednesday. We got to, <laughs> apparently, we got to bury some bourbon because it's good luck. I don't even know. <laughs> we got all types of stuff going on right here. Uh, before I let you go, I do, 
I do, you do have a really good sponsor lineup and a lot of people who support you. Uh, talk a little bit about kind of putting that together uh, and some of the companies that have been behind you for the last number of years in the opens. Yeah. So my family, we're in a construction business. My, okay. That's what my parents, um, they own a construction business and my granddaddy started it. And uh, so we've always grew up like I, we always have a lot of connections, like local companies and stuff. So if you look at the side of my boat wrap, it looks like a construction company. I got Banks Construction, Sanders Construction, all these other like just random companies to people. But they are local guys that now are like huge fans of the sport. Like to me, Banks Construction is probably not going to make money off of Kyle Law. Okay? But they love the fact that they can turn on Fox Sports on a Saturday and watch their logo on the TV. And they think that is the coolest thing. Um, you know, they're a very successful construction company. You know, they don't need a guy with a bass. Like the first year he actually gave me money. He told me that he didn't want to be on the side of my boat because he didn't want <laughs> softball teams and T-ball teams calling them. And then after uh, actually Sanders is their biggest competitor and they're both on the side of my boat. I put Sanders on the side of the boat and he's like, Oh, the hell with that. I want, I want to be on the side of it next year. That's awesome. He said, he said I'll give you, five thousand dollars more you make my logo a little bit bigger than his <laughs> <laughs> it was like a little inner competition and like i said yeah. they just man they just love to watch you know they support me they want me to kind of to get there and it's all because my dad and my granddaddy you know my granddad was a pretty famous guy around home um a lot of people knew him it was the longest funeral i've ever been to when he passed away and uh you know so my family kind of having that name around home is is why I'm successful and got the good sponsors. And then I got, you know, some industry sponsors. Falcon Boats has been with me since I fished BFLs. You know, I bought it, me and my dad bought a Falcon from a dealership and I kind of tore it up because I'm a little rough on a boat on Santee and uh, took it to the plant. And ever since then, I've been friends with them. And, you know, they kind of hooked me up with a little boat deal going on. And it just other, you know, Fitzgerald rods. Like hey, I met him at the Forestwood Cup in 2017 when Atkins won. Like, a lot of people just trusted me, you know, when they were a smaller company and, you know, I was a nobody and I'm still a nobody in my book. You know, I've kind of made a name in the opens and stuff like that, but I've had a lot of support since I started. My parents have been, you know, big support and it's, uh, it's all working out to, you know, where I wanted to be. If you told me five years ago, I'd be where I'm at right now on BTL talking to you. I mean, it's all you can ask for. Oh yeah. It's just everybody's <laughs> dream come true, isn't it? Uh, it is, man. <laughs> uh i guess i'll see you in uh well i want to go out and freaking i want to go out and blue catfish i actually got cooper gallant coming on the 29th i just got him on my calendar is he gonna do the whole video series and all that yeah so like it's funny all right before we end this so on my guide business you ever go on my facebook page you should go check it out after this but it's kyle lawson guide service santa cooper lakes i actually do bass trips catfish trips and i do frog hunting trips which is my oh. most pop my most popular seller in the summertime and cooper glock came and caught bullfrogs it's on youtube on his little road trip deal when he came to charleston we uh we caught like a trillion bullfrogs and he wants to come back and catch catfish you know it's pretty Dude, i cool. just bid on a bullfrog hunting trip with hall of famer steve bowman i got outbid but i'm a huge huge frog legs guy oh yeah yeah we got uh we go down here on the uh cooper river which i probably shouldn't say on here but we go on the Cooper River, and uh, you got to have a mud boat to do it. And I got one. I got a Gator Tracks, and uh, I take people out there, and we catch them with our bare hands. That's a good time. Yeah, that sounds, dude. You haven't, you haven't figured out, man. Like you do fun stuff. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say there's got to be less stress catfishing than bass fishing. 
Yeah, I couldn't. If I had a bass guide full time, I'd have gray hairs and I'd probably be retired by now. <laughs> Just because Santee bass fishing, you'll learn next year. Like, you don't come here to catch 100 fish. Like, it is very target related, skipping worms under trees or fishing brush piles, stuff like that. And it's a hard place to like get people's attention. Mm-hmm. People want to come to Santee, catch 10 pounders and stuff. And that's what I try to take people to do. But I don't like bass guiding, it's not my favorite. <laughs> Because I, I mean, if cat- you find the catfish, you catch them. Like it's not like right. it doesn't like require fishing, skill can, to to reel them in. Yeah, I could I could be around the mother load of bass, and just because my client might not have the same talent as the client before that, we might not have as good of a day. And it's kind of it's frustrating. It's hard to advertise that. So I want to do something different. I want bass fishing to be my thing. When I go on the road, that's my thing. When I go fishing, I go bass fishing. And uh, so catfishing is my job and bass fishing is kind of my free time. I've, I've gotten to spend some time on the Cooper uh, with my buddy Dave Rush, uh, who works yeah. for OBT. He'll actually be on the show on uh, Thursday as part of this announcement. But that is such a weird fishery. It is it's weird, so right? bizarre to figure out because it's like, they don't you have like the right, is it the rice fields? It's the rice fields. Yeah. And then you've got current, but then you've also got like, hard cover and grass and tides and crabs and all sorts of weird ass bait and fish. I know it's crazy as people, uh, you know, they always put me in, I always get interviewed every time I go to a tidal water fishery because I grew up around the Cooper river and I'm the worst tidal water guy you'll ever meet. Like I get it at home, yeah. but like the difference between the James river and like Potomac and stuff like that at home is their, their fresh water is so much massive. Like our fresh water, I like we probably only guys a crow flies like twelve miles of fresh water. So like the James River, I mean you got like eighty miles of fresh water. Yeah. yeah. But you know, so it's a lot different. And so, you know, the Cooper River, I could break it down pretty fast. Those other places when they kick my butt. Which I did make a top ten at Chesapeake last year, but yeah. that was my first one on a, a tidal water fishery. Now Dave hooked something and he's like it like ran him and broke off and he was like like kind of looked where we were and he's like, yeah, that was something from the ocean. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> like, what was it? He's like, I don't know, but it wasn't anything we wanted. Uh, There's funny. all sorts of weird stuff when you start going. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's kind of like uh, Venice. You know, you can catch a bass and a redfish in the same stretch. Like, it's pretty cool. We do that you all the get time. get some shark that go up there too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got all, all types of stuff. I mean, like, you know, I've, caught, I've caught a six-pound bass and that's cast catch a flounder. I mean – yeah, it's kind of a cool place, but it's gotten a lot tough for the last two years here. It's been really tough. I think we had a bad saltwater intrusion and uh, something, something's messed it up. And then you also have like weeknight tournaments that have like 80 boats in them, don't you? Yeah, we have probably one of the best Thursday nighters as far as contingency money goes. Um, you can, me and my buddy actually won like, I think we won one. Anyway, we walked out there like $14,000. On a Thursday night? On a Thursday nighter. For three hours of fishing. Yeah, because we won like the side pot, big fish, first place, and we got seven thousand dollars striking gold money. <laughs> that's wild <laughs> for a Thursday yeah. nighter. That's more. For that's Thursday like third nighter. place in an open, Kyle. I know, dude. Like you come, you come back to weigh in, and like somebody's got their jersey on because it says Triton on the side. You know You're they like, got them. Oh. Like they're they're about to weigh it, like twenty pounds. There. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I wish we had that. We're fishing for sixty bucks, crane for a night. I know it's crazy. Is I don't even like messing with the crowd anymore, and I don't have a boat that pays like that. So I just go up to the swamp and fish their little Thursday nighters, and like you win about a hundred bucks, and you're like, heck yeah, 
or Gov are going to eat McDonald's tonight. Uh, well, anything else you want to get in here before I let you go? Like I said, I greatly appreciate it. I know you're just coming back. You got to be mentally drained, emotionally, physically drained, getting ready, getting married, getting back on the guidance. So for you to spend a morning with BTL, much appreciated. Man, it's all good. I'm just taking my boat wrap off and getting some stuff kind of done out the way. And uh, we're going to start guiding again tomorrow. And I appreciate you having us. And uh, I hope next year is going to be good for both of us. Heck yeah. If you want to get on some giant uh, blue cats this winter in closed tritune, 400 bucks a day, that's a freaking steal. Kyle Austin fishing on YouTube or on uh, Facebook. Yep, that's my bass stuff. And then Kyle Lawson Guide Service, Santee Cooper Lakes is my guide page. All right. All right, I'll let you go, man. I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank, it. You. Thank you, buddy. All right, see you. Yeah. All right, that is uh, Kyle Lawson. Yeah, he's, he's got it going on, and at 25 years old, uh, he's part of that. You mentioned Sam George, and you look at how many of those guys, like I said, average age of 24 and a half, 25 years old to make the Elite Series, which is always interesting. we got to have Ken Duke back on. We'll have Ken Duke back on in November, but he used to talk about how the average age or peak performance of Elite Series Pro, I think, was like 41, and it was like late 30s or 40 years old was the average age of the Elite Series. I think we got to go back through and redo that. Um, I don't know whether it's... It'll be interesting to see. Like, I mean, there's no way to actually figure out why the younger guys are catching them because you think of fishing, you think of experience, you think the more experience you have, the better you catch them. But I think the learning curve is a lot shorter. Uh, I always talk about productive practicing. And I think that, you know, before the YouTube and before a lot of this information, it was really hard to practice. You had to figure out what you were doing was productive. Like, I, I always said, I could go bowling and bowl. 30 games a day but if i'm not doing it working on getting better pr- working on becoming more productive then i'm not like becoming a better bowler i'm just bowling a bunch uh but with all of the tools that are out there i think at a younger age you can have guys who are dialed in on how to grow as an angler how to get better as an angler at a younger age uh and practice productively productively productive practice uh, and I think Polinick was one of the great examples of that early on. Um, I've done that numerous times on, on BTO where I take an average weekend angler who fishes two weeks, two weekends out of the year in tournaments, and then compare that with what, uh, Polinick with what, uh, 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 Jacob Wheeler did. And basically for a, a weekend angler who's fishing two weekends a year, Versus what a Polinick, a Carl Jacobson, a Jacob Wheeler did when they were 18, 19, 20 years old or uh, early 20s for for Carl when he came over and was kind of following the Elite Series around from Australia. They're getting in five years of reps for a weekend angler, but they're doing it in a year. And then instead of instead of mixing it and blocking it between like tournaments where they're not really trying to learn a new craft or learn a new pattern, but really trying to maximize what they already know. These guys and kids are able to go out and build day after day, building blocks, productively exploring patterns, learning new techniques, the forward-facing technology, abstract stuff, new baits, and you build that much quicker, much quicker. And before you know it, you're young, you've established this base. So then when you jump into these major level tournaments, whether it be Toyota series, I mean, look at uh, how many young early 30s we're seeing on the bpt as well uh and guys that are winning 
Toyota series, you don't even realize that you're starting with such a strong foundation. Uh, and then you're just adding the capstone on it and you're in your early twenties. You have less of distractions. It's, uh, it's truly impressive. So, uh, we'll take a final break. When we come back, we'll talk about, I kind of teased it at the beginning of the show. There's a lot of other stuff going on in the industry. We'll take one more look at the Bassmaster open, uh, EQ point standings, BTL on a Monday. We'll be back after this. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns back by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success, in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is going to handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. Shoreline Boat and RV, dock rash, storm damage, collision repair, that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatAndRV.com, Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips. So if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. All right, wrapping things up here on a Monday. Uh, like I said, a little bit of a different week. Uh, I'll find a guest for tomorrow's show. Uh, how to switch things around a little bit. But uh, Wednesday, Frank Scalish will be at 8.30 in the morning. So if you're a big day four fan, you want to tune in on Wednesday for that. Followed by 8.30 p.m., Ben Milliken. 
on that Wednesday night. He's actually driving the next couple days on his way back following his uh, Elite Series qualification, which, folks, is it's wild. It, ben will shake up the Elite Series. I promise you that. And it will be very entertaining to watch. Uh, top 10 anglers that are on the Elite Series. I mean, that season kicks off quickly. The new season starts in February. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, so here's here's the things that we're going to watch for for the, the Bassmaster Opens now that this season is done in the books. The top nine. Uh, will the will there be any changes in entry fees or payouts? Uh, possible increased entry fee, increased payout. Will they stay with the top 40? Will it go down to be a percentage of the field? Will there be a change in number of days of practice? Currently, it was five. And this is all stuff that Bass has changed recently. I give Hank, I give Bass a lot of credit for listening to the anglers uh, as far as fishing all nine, as opposed to all three, to keeping the win and you're in for the classic for the three divisions, to actually changing it to a five-day uh, off limits. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's changed. This is all fluid things that are changing. So this is not like a, a rip. I'm just saying these are things to kind of keep in mind uh, headed forward to uh, practice. It would be, it would be, in, it'll be interesting to see uh, if we go to a shorter practice now, that doesn't really behoove bass to go to a shorter practice because they wouldn't be able to go to the cities and say, Hey, we have X number of anglers that are coming in for X number of days. And then if you say, Hey, practice doesn't start until Monday, it's just Monday, Tuesday and half a Wednesday, which is what an elite series practice is, but you're bringing in a lot more anglers. That's hundreds and hundreds of nights of uh, hotels that, I mean, like if I'm doing it, I'm not going to get until a Sunday night then for a Monday. Well, now I'm getting it on a Friday night. So that's an extra for all of Friday, all of Saturday, uh, all of Sunday that I'm buying gas, that I'm spending food, that I'm eating. So I'm going to save a lot of money, but the cities, I mean, you're, you're talking a six to seven figure difference, every single event, as far as what guys are spending on that fishery, all the social media posts that come with it, the impact. So I understand why they like the longer practice on the water strictly i think a, a shorter practice would be better but that's something to keep uh in mind and then uh if any of the if any of the uh qualification stuff is going to change uh if they're going to throw like maybe the first place angler in each division gets a, a spot in the elite series um it'll be interesting to see that okay over on the mlf side I, I just I think there's going to be some stuff that goes down this week on MLF. I, I I don't know. Good. I think maybe just some tweaks, some changes. We have the anglers who are fishing the BPT next year. Uh, as of now, we've seen a lot of changing that's going on with the Invitational Series over the last, well, over the last five years. It's been called three different things. The qualification structures changed. The payout structures changed, and the entry fees have changed. So it, it will be interesting to see. Uh, what takes place with MLF over this week as far as the future. I think there's a good chance that we're going to have a better idea of what the uh, BPT, the BPT field, the qualifying process, and kind of where MLF sits right now, kind of in the pantheon of professional fishing uh, by the end of this week. And then we'll also have three more uh, elite or one more elite series and three more Bassmaster Classic qualifiers with the uh, Bass Nation Championship uh, going on on Hartwell. I haven't really mentioned it. I want to pull the standings back up, but Open ZQ uh, 
I feel for the guy. Bobby Lane <laughs> went into Florida. First man out, uh, 23 points. If anybody can bounce back, though, it's Bobby Lane. Uh, a long, long road to get back. So I would assume after finishing 11th that the beast, Bobby Fish, big fish, Bobby Lane is going to be back in the opens next year. Uh, like I said, Sam George in 16th. Nania finished in 18th. Uh, one of the things you are seeing, I see uh, Trevor McKinney there in 20th, uh, John Garrett in second. You're seeing anglers who excelled at the high, especially with Trey McKinney. Anglers, Logan Parks, there's another one. Anglers who excelled at the collegiate and high school level, excelling at the AAA and professional level. And you're being able to, I guess for lack of a better term, earmark some of these anglers who have been consistently successful against massive high school and college fields, you're seeing that success translate through the opens, which is interesting because then it becomes easier to build a brand. It becomes easier to target who your superstars are going to be uh, and who's going to qualify. So uh, that's another thing that I saw there, obviously with like uh, with John Garrett, with Logan parks, the million dollar man as half of that team uh, with, you know, uh, Trevor McKinney. Uh, there's a bunch of guys on that. I would be interested in seeing how many guys actually ended up out of the 178 that started. Uh, how many of the guys actually ended up fishing all nine of them? I did not fish all nine. Uh, I know that some guys dropped out, but there are a bunch of guys that did fish all nine too. So that was kind of a recap there. I want to big give a big shout out to Kyle Austin. I had to suck coming on, you know, two days after, uh, but dude, he'll, he'll be there. He'll be right back in it next year fighting for an elite series spot so all right that's all we got for today tomorrow we'll be back with another live show 8 30 a.m central time it's btl until then later <laughs>